Welcome to the Victor Orlando Podcast. We exist to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus and to connect them with their purpose. To learn more about us, visit us at victoryorlando.com. Thanks for listening. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired by today's message. I'm really excited about uh, spending these next couple weeks um, kind of on a, a new series, a new direction, kind of talking about um, one of the mis- most understood topics in the Bible. Um, it might be one of the most controversial topics in the Bible, and that, that's really talking about the Holy Spirit. So I want to take some time over the next few weeks just discovering who this Holy Spirit is and what it is that He wants to do in our lives and how we interact with Him because it's so vital for the life of a person who said, I follow Jesus, I belong to Jesus, that we have an understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and what He does in our lives. So the, the word of the Lord today is this, is who is the Holy Spirit? It's good to know. Who is the Holy Spirit? That's what we're going to talk about today. And I just believe that, you know, Scripture says that God has given us everything that we need that pertains to this life and to live it in a way that pleases Him. So we have everything. We have the answers that we need. We have the wisdom that we need. And so we know that it's all in the pages of the Scripture. That's how God has given us His, His says through His promises. He's given us everything we need through His precious promises. So everything we need is included in the book, in the Bible, right? So we're going to dig into the Word and see what it says to us about the Holy Spirit and what God's intentions were for the Holy Spirit and who He is, right? The, the sad thing is about the Holy Spirit is that many people have uh, rejected Him or kind of said, mm, that seems a little weird, right? Because when we as people, we experience things that are strange or kind of like a little bit like, that doesn't seem right. You know, what do we do? Like, we don't want to be around it. We kind of keep it at arm's length and be like, okay, I'm just going to go over here because that's kind of strange. Whatever it is, right? And the, the sad reality is that so many people have done that with the Holy Spirit. In fact, I believe that a lot of people have rejected God because of misinformation, because, because they've misunderstood or they've seen a misrepresentation of who God is. Uh, uh, that's why I, I personally believe that uh, most people wouldn't reject God if they really knew who he was and what he had to offer them, right? Because we know what it is. There's, there's hope and there's healing and there's a- everlasting life. Like we get to be in heaven with him. But it, most people just reject the packaging, right? They're not re- they, most people wouldn't reject that gift, but they're just tired of the packaging. Like that doesn't seem right. You just want me to do a bunch of things to be a better person? Like that's not it. Right? That doesn't seem right. Uh, just whatever the packaging is that people are rejecting, so often the packaging is Christians who have no answers. People that say, come to a Christian, they're like, well, what about this? What about this? And they're like, well, I don't know. People are rejecting the packaging because they're looking for something more. Right? They're looking for Christians maybe uh, who, can, who can help them who aren't like everybody else. Like, why would, I, why would you be able to help me if you, if you drink like everybody else and you curse like everybody else, you watch all the same things that everybody else does? How are you any different than what I'm going through? Right? And that's why we have a generation of Christians now who've rejected the Holy Spirit, rejecting the working of the Spirit in their life, and now they have the form of godliness. They come to church, they know some scriptures, they know when to lift their hands, but they've denied the power. So we've got to get back to understanding who the Holy Spirit is and embracing Him in our lives because this was God's plan for us. Really, I believe that um, it's our spiritual enemy, the devil's plan, that we would uh, be scared of the Holy Spirit. 
right? When we see this happening um, at the, for the first time the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church, we see him kind of working in that situation to try to cause fear. We're going to look at that in just a minute. But think about what happened on that day. We read about it in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit was first poured out, right? What happened to the church when that happened? It says that 3,000 people were saved in one day. When the Holy Spirit was poured out, the people were healed, the, uh, the dead were raised. It says that it was those that the Holy Spirit was poured out on. And scripture says they turned the world upside down. Those few turned the world upside down when the Holy Spirit was poured out. No wonder the devil wants us to be scared of him. No wonder he doesn't want it working in our lives because he knows the end result when the Holy Spirit is working in a group of believers. Man, the world is going to be turned upside down. There's going to be people that are healed. There's going to be people that are delivered. There's going to be blind eyes that are open. There's going to be people that receive salvation when the church believes and operates in the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. I need a little bit of help today. So we're going to look at this. Um, we, we see, you know, when this was happening, uh, in Acts 2, uh, the devil comes along and he's like, I can't allow this to happen. I've got I to gotta get in here and mess things up. So what he did for so much of history is he was successful in pushing it kind of to the back burner of hiding it from people so people didn't realize what was going on. But about the middle of the 20th century, there was this awakening in people of the Holy Spirit and they began to get more information about it and they began to seek it and we began to see it throughout in the middle of that century like the Holy Spirit beginning to be moved on and being poured out on people. And what here comes the devil again. He's like, i got to mess this up because this is not going to be good for me. <laughs> right? So what did he do? He came in, he, puts, he brings confusion and put all the emphasis on one gift of the Holy Spirit, right? The speaking in tongues. And he causes confusion and he gets people to act in their flesh, start acting weird and convincing people well, that must be what the, the Spirit of the Lord is. And that seems a little weird, so I don't need that. And truthfully, he's done a pretty good job and making people afraid of the Holy Spirit. He's done a pretty good job of using it to divide the church rather than letting it be the thing that empowers the church to change the world. We've got to get back to what Scripture says, not allow fear, to not allow misinformation, to not allow people who have, who have taken something and abused it or misused it or misrepresented it to be the thing that, well, that must be what it is rather than what God's Word says that it is. We're going to look and see what it is. When we see this, you've got your Bible, you can turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 12 is where we're going to start today. We can see what the devil was doing there um, in that. And just to give a little context to the story so that we know where we are in the story of the Bible, right? Jesus was crucified. He was, he was dead and buried, and then he was resurrected, right? And then it says that he spent 40 days appearing to his disciples, like walking through walls, popping in and out of rooms, like walking through walls, right? It says the disciples were upstairs, locked in a room, and no one could get in, and Jesus, like, walks through the wall. Hello. And there he is, and it says he appeared to people over these 40 days, like a, a couple hundred people, giving convincing proofs that he was resurrected. And then he's up there on the mountain, getting ready to ascend back into heaven. He's given his disciples his final commands, go into all the world, preach the gospel. And then he says, go back to the city and wait there. Don't try to do it until you receive power from on high. 
So I know I've called you. I, I, I've got an assignment for you. But in order for you to do it, you're going to need power. And I'm going to send it to you. And you just need to wait until it gets there. And so we know the story. The disciples are there, about 120. And what we know is the upper room, right? And they're gathered together. And it says the spirit was poured out in quite a dramatic fashion, right? There was a, a loud rushing sound. And there they are. They've got tongues of fire on their head, like a little fire piece over their head. That would be a little, like, they'd be like, what's happening? I know y'all are acting so spiritual right now. I'd be like, that would be totally normal. Y'all, they said little fire hanging over their head. That would be, that'd be, that'd be interesting. And it says they began speaking in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance, gave them the ability. And what was going on was they had, they had people from all over the world in the city. So the city was packed, all kinds of uh, international people there. And they said, I can hear this person speaking in my own language. Right, And we see what happens here, how people reacted to what was going on, the sound, the sights, the language, and everything that was happening. Verse 12, it says, they were, the people in the city were amazed and perplexed, and they asked one another, what does this mean? If you, if you didn't know what was happening, you would ask the same question. Right? And that's what so many people in the world are asking, is what does all this Christian stuff mean? What is it all about? You want me to, you want me to go to church? Why, why do I need to be in church? You, what, what is this Jesus stuff all about? Worship? Like, what, like people are asking what it's about. That's why it's so important for us as believers to be in the word, to be spending time in his presence so that we're ready, so that we're equipped, so that we've studied the word, so that we're in that moment and somebody's like, what is going on? What is all this about? That we're ready to give them an answer that can point them to Jesus, right? We need to be equipped, right? So here we have, they're going on. People are asking these questions. Some people uh, take it a step further. They're not just asking what's going on. They actually, some people actually make fun of like church people. Maybe you've experienced some of that before. It happened to them too. He said, some of them, however, made fun and said they've had too much wine. Like, they, they must be drunk. That's why they're acting this way. And despite all the confusion, despite all the chaos, the good news for us is that whatever's going on, God always makes a way for his truth to be made known. Everything else could be going on. There could be a million other voices. God always makes a way for us to be able to grow in understanding, to grow in wisdom, and so that his truth can be declared. In this case, he used Peter, and it says that then Peter stood up with the eleven, and he raised his voice and addressed the crowd. He said, fellow Jews, all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain something to you. Like he's from the south, I believe. He said, let me explain this to you, so pay attention, right? He said, uh, these people are not drunk, as you suppose, because it's 9 a.m. Like it's too early to be drunk. It's, it's not. And if, if you're in that place, we'll pray for you today. But then he began, it says that he began to speak from the Old Testament, the prophecy that Joel wrote about when the Holy Spirit would be poured out. And he described what would happen. And Peter said, no, this was this, what you're seeing, this moment right now was was spoken about by the prophet Joel. He said, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. See, I believe this is the season that we're living in where God is pouring out his spirit on people. He's looking for people who would dare to dream a God dream, something bigger than ourselves, something bigger than just what we need, but somebody who would dare to dream a God dream, something they can't do on their own that can only happen by the power of his spirit. And God is pouring out his spirit on people, with people who are ready and willing and know how to handle it. And he goes on, he says, even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. So all my ladies in the house, you're you're right there. You're in the book. So you you don't have to keep quiet. 
Like, you have the Spirit of God inside of you. Come on, ladies. You don't have, the world is waiting for you, for the Spirit of God and the wisdom that God has put inside of you to stand up and say, no, this is truth. This is the direction that we're going, right? God is raising up a generation of ladies who know how to lead, who know how to discern, and are full of the Spirit, who are ready. Come on, ladies. That's good. That's good. So here's the thing for us that I want to do today. I want to just um, spend some time and just kind of teach a little bit about who the Holy Spirit is, and then at the end, kind of wrap it up. What does that mean for us in our, in our everyday life? So here's the question we're asking today. Who's the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? If you're taking notes, I want you to write a couple of these things down. The first one is this, is that he is our friend. He's our friend. Do you know the Holy Spirit wants to be your friend? Right? Uh, if you've got your Bible, you can turn John chapter 14, verse 16. Maybe you've got the Version Bible app. You can flip there too. That's great. Um, in John chapters 14, 15, and 16, just to kind of give you a picture of what's happening is that Jesus is alone with his disciples, his, his closest, his 12 disciples, and they've been having their, what we call the Last Supper, right? He's washed their feet. They've, they've had the Last Supper. He's told Judas, you're about to betray me. Judas is gone. And in John chapter 15, it says they leave that room. They go to the, the garden and the Mount of Olives, and there Jesus says, I'm the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me, I'll remain in you. Then you can do great things, but apart from me, you can do nothing, right? And it's these chapters, 14, 15, and 16, were really like the last 12 or so hours of Jesus' life here on this earth, right before he's arrested. This is the Thursday before the Good Friday, right? In John 14, verse 16, Jesus is speaking, and he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Another That word advocate is also translated as helper. It's also translated as counselor. He'll give us another helper, an advocate. And what is he going to do? He's going to help us, and he's going to be with us forever because he is the spirit of truth. He's the spirit of truth. So we're starting to get a picture of what the Holy Spirit does, what he brings, right? That he's there to help us. That he's there to hang out with us. He's with us all the time. Why? Because he is the spirit of truth. That's who he is. He's the spirit of truth. He's our helper. He want, he's our friend. He wants to be involved in our daily life. So what that looks like for me in my life is I just include him in everything that I'm doing. If I'm going to the grocery store, hey, Holy Spirit, you want to go to Publix? He does. He likes to get those chicken tenders too, a pub sub or something. You know, come on, Jesus. That chicken tender pub sub, that's divine right there. Just in, in involving him in every part of our lives. It's like, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to say in this situation? I don't know if you've ever had that moment where someone's talking to you and you're like, what do I need to say back to this person? <laughs> right? And that's, that's the role of the Holy Spirit. He wants to help us in those moments. He wants to help us know what to say. Holy Spirit, should I be involved in this deal? Should I hang out with these people? Should I go to this place? Like, it's just involving him in every area of our lives because he has nothing but good for us. He just wants to be our best friend. He wants to be with us, right? Jesus continued. He said, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But here's the good news. You know him because he lives in you and he will be with you. So he's with us. He's with us. I think it's so interesting how Jesus describes the Holy Spirit, right? The Bible never describes the Holy Spirit and never calls him it. Jesus here, he's talking to him. He's using words like he and him. It's important for us to understand who is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is a person. He's not an it. He's not a, a, a spooky spirit. He's not a, he's, he, it's not like Star Wars. He's not the force. 
okay? Like, he's a person. He's the person of the Holy Spirit. And we have to understand it because if we don't understand that the Holy Spirit is, is a person, then we won't relate to him personally. We won't be able to develop a personal relationship with him if it's just an it or a thing or a force or some random thing. No, no, no. It's the person of the Holy Spirit. That's why he can be our best friend. He wants to relate to us in a personal way. I love how the Apostle Paul talks about the Holy Spirit in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14, he's concluding his book to the Corinthian church. He's writing to them, and he kind of gives this. It's a, now is what it's a famous benediction, but it's a closing prayer is what it is another word for benediction. But he says this. He says, the amazing grace of the master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God the Father, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That's beautiful, right? But I love what he's saying there. What he's doing is he's really giving us a picture of who God is as a whole, of the trinity of who God is and how he operates, right? So he says, I wish that you would have the grace of our master, Jesus Christ, the amazing grace of Jesus. Isn't that so good? It's the grace of Jesus that through what Jesus did on the cross that we're able to have the forgiveness of our sins, that we're able to be made new, right? It's the amazing grace of Jesus. Jesus is our go-between. Without Jesus, we have no hope to know God, right? It's the amazing grace of Jesus, right? Is Jesus the Son, right? And then he says, in the extravagant love of the Father. Oh, that's good. The extravagant love of the Father. Extravagant love, like spare no expense. The best of the best because you just need to know how much I love you. Like the Father God. Oh, that's good to know, right? And then I love the part he says, in the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. It's good. The intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. Like he wants to be our friend. Like personally close close knowing, like intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit to be with you all. See, and the, the reality is, is like, that's who God is. He is God the Son, God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit. You can't have one without the other. But for so often, people, uh, it's easy for us to relate to Jesus, right? To Jesus the, the Son, because we've seen the movies, we've seen the paintings, right? We've seen people acting out Jesus, we've read the red letters, we can relate to Jesus the Son, right? And we can relate to God the Father, like even if we've had a good father or a bad father or whatever, like we can get to the place of like, okay, I know what a father's supposed to be, so I can, I can kind of relate to God the Father, but then it's like, who's this Holy Spirit? How am I supposed to relate? And so, so many people have just been like, I, I don't need that, but you can't pick and choose what part of God that you want. Like you, he, He's all in three in one operating in different ways. So we can't say, I want Jesus and, uh, 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 because I need that fire insurance so I can go to heaven, right? Some of you will get that on the way home. It's all right. I, we've got that fire insurance, right? And then like, okay, I'll take God the Father, but I don't want this part. Or I, No, no, we can't pick and choose. Like, he's all in one. So when people say, I, I don't want the Holy Spirit, what they're really saying is, I don't want God. Right? Because he is God. They're all in one. This is who he is. He's a, the Holy Spirit is a person. He wants to be our friend. He wants to help us. And can I just say, can I just say the Holy Spirit is not weird? Okay. He's not weird. Okay. People are weird. God is not weird. Right? Go ahead. Look to your left and look to your right. If you didn't see any weird people, how can I tell you this? It's you. It's you. <laughs> Oh, that's funny right there. I don't care what y'all say. 
There's just weird people, man. There's just weird people out there. And some, there's been weird people in the church, okay? And people have taken things and made the Holy Spirit, like they've, they've said, this is the Spirit, and it's not, because the Holy Spirit is not weird. And so what we have done as people, we've allowed someone else and what they've done and what they've said supersede what's in the Scripture and allowed us to stay away from it. So we can't allow how other people act to keep us from the best parts of what God has for us. We can't allow other people who've said something that's not true come in and and rob from us. That's the working of the devil. He wants to rob from us what God has for us, the power that God has for us in our lives, right? So it's not this outward show Like anybody can put on a show outward to seem spiritual or whatever. Like that's not the spirit. And we know it when it's not because you have the spirit in you. So you don't need me to be your Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's in you. He's in you. So he's going to be the one to lead you. He's your friend and he's going to be the one to speak to. And you're going to know, be like, "Mm, that's not right. Because I know the Holy Spirit because he's with me. Right? That's So he is not weird. He is our friend, right? Here's the second one. He is our teacher. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. Jesus continued with his disciples, John 14, 26. He said, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you. So again, we see the correlation between the three. The Holy Spirit, the Father will send in my name. They're together. They are one. They're not separable. He, what is he going to do? He's going to teach us. So what is he going to teach us? He says he's going to teach you all things. And he's going to remind you of everything I've said to you. So this is how you can be reading the Bible one day. Maybe it's a chapter you've read a hundred times before. And all of a sudden, there's this verse that jumps off the page at you. Like, I've never seen this verse before. How did that slip in there? It's been there all the time. But this is the Holy Spirit teaching us in that moment. It's how you can be in the middle you know, of, of one of those moments in life where everything seems to be falling apart. You can be in the middle of like, like you feel like panic is setting on. You feel like depression is setting on. Maybe you just got a phone call, the diagnosis from a doctor or whatever. You can be in the worst moment of life. And there's that moment where you feel that, you feel this, uh, the Holy Spirit bringing a scripture back to your mind. You feel that ray of hope coming in. Like, that's the Holy Spirit. He's there to teach us. He's there to bring the word to our remembrance, right? And we, he's there bringing it to us when we need it the most. So it's in those moments when it, life is crazy, like be on the lookout, like, Holy Spirit, what do you got for me? I need you right now. Because like, he's going to bring what Jesus said. He's going to bring the word back to our mind. Why? So that we can respond differently. When people are in our face, hating on us and lying about us, the Holy Spirit's going to bring back that word to our remembrance. to be like, hey, love your enemies. Do good to those who persecute you. That's the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives, bringing back the scripture to our minds so that we can learn to love differently, so that we can respond differently in how we trust so we can respond differently in how we forgive, right? So that we can respond differently in how we give. Like, this is what the world needs to see, right? This is what the world is looking for. People who are led by the Spirit and not led by their emotions and by their feelings. This is one of his roles, to teach us how to respond, right? So who's the Holy Spirit? He's our friend. He's our teacher. Here's the third one. The Holy Spirit is our helper. He's our helper, right? I believe one of the things he does is helps us to know uh, what to say and what not to say, (laughs) which is so helpful, you know, because sometimes, I don't know if you've ever had one of those moments, maybe when you get home and your spouse is there and you have this thought coming to your head and then you're like, I shouldn't say this. (laughs) And then what what do we do? We go ahead and say it, right? And then it's like, I shouldn't have said that. 
<laughs> I really should not have said that. I believe that's the Holy Spirit in those moments being like, hey, don't say that, man. You know, like, don't say that, right? That's what he's doing. He's our helper. Don't go there. Don't say that. Like, I believe he operates in our lives that way because he's always leading us to wisdom, right? A wise person knows how to hold their tongue. So the Holy Spirit is our helper. So he wants to help us in situations to be wise. He's always going to be leading us that way. But, and that's great on the practical side of life. But let's, let's go back to John chapter 16 and verse 7 and see what Jesus said about how he would help us. Verse 7, he said, but, but very truly, I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. So in other words, you might not believe this, but um, it's to your benefit that I'm going up to heaven and I'm not going to chill with you here. And if I was a disciple and I was there, I'd be like, hold up, Jesus. Life is better with you here, baby. Like, we're traveling around. People are getting healed. The blind can see. We're feeding thousands of people. How is it better for you to leave? Isn't that a good question? And so Jesus says, unless I go away, the advocate, the helper, the Holy Spirit, he won't come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. So it's proof right there. That's all the proof we need to know that the Holy Spirit was meant to be a part of every believer's life. There's no other plan. This was the plan. That Jesus goes back to heaven and he says, don't worry, I'm not leaving you here by yourself. I'm sending you a helper. I'm sending you my spirit, the Holy Spirit, to be with you. Like, this is the plan, right? And he says this. He says, when he comes, he will prove. Uh, another translation uses the word convict there. He will prove or convict. Um, when you look up those words, kinda, it also can mean convince, right? So he's saying he will prove, he will convict, he will convince the world to be in the wrong about three things, about sin, about righteousness, and about judgment. So here we see Jesus is telling us what the Holy Spirit is going to help us with, right? He's going to convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. And really, for a lot of people, um, when they hear that, they hear what so many people have told them, well, you did something wrong, so you must be a sinner. And God's just mad at you, and so he's going to throw his lightning bolt down strike you down, right? And we've been taught this. There's entire denominations of churches who teach this. But can I tell you, that's not what Jesus is saying. That's not what the word says. He goes on. He, he gives us a little more description. So let's read what the red letters say. He says, he's going to convict the world about sin because people do not believe in me, right? So it's important for us to understand this. Like conviction from the Holy Spirit is not a negative thing. It's not a bad thing to be convicted of sin in our lives. Like, it's gracious, like, because we need the gracious love of Jesus. We need what he did for us, because if we don't feel like we're a sinner, if we don't feel like we have sin in our lives, like, then we'll never see a need for a savior. Like, it's so important we understand this. See, this is where the devil wants to come in, and he mixes up conviction and condemnation. See, this is what the devil does, right? He's a deceiver. He's, he twists things, right? Uh, the, the word wicked right, comes from the root word uh, like wicker. You know, I think about uh, wicker furniture. Anybody have any of that? Where it's like those branches are taken and they're twisted together, right? It's that, that connotation that comes from that word. And that's what our spiritual enemy likes to do. He likes to take things that God gave us, good things, take it and twist it and make it look like something completely different that it's not. This is what he's doing. This is what he's done with the conviction of the Holy Spirit. See, the enemy comes to condemn. Well, you did bad, so you must be bad. That's condemnation, putting us down, pushing us away. The conviction of the Holy Spirit, it's so good because it leads us to the way out. It leads us to restoration. It leads us to Jesus. 
That's what the conviction of the Holy Spirit does is he's always leading us to Jesus. That's what he's doing. It's so good. This is what he's saying here. He's going to convict the world of sin. I mean, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul said, no one can even say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So we can't even get to that place where we say, I need Jesus in my life without the Holy Spirit doing something in us, right? That's why when we say, you know, every service at the end of service, you know, we always say something about that and creating that moment where like maybe there's that stirring in you. You know, there's like there's something happening in me right now. I don't know what it is. That's the Holy Spirit. He's he's convicting you. He's drawing you. He's trying he's trying to give you proof that you need Jesus. Right. And man, when we feel him like we need to learn to respond to him. Right. He goes on. He says, I mean, he's going to convict the world about righteousness because I'm going to the father where you can see me. No longer. So where did Jesus go? He said, you're not going to see me anymore. He said he went to the Father. So scripture tells us that he's seated at the right hand of the Father and he's making intercession for us. So he is the go-between between a holy God and us, right? He is the, the pathway to the Father, right? He is the, the, the mediator of us being able to come to our Father. So what is he saying? He's saying he's going to convict us or give us proof or convince us about righteousness. Notice he didn't say righteous living, right? Now, I, we should be living righteous, right? But that's a different message. And the Holy Spirit is absolutely a part of that. But he, that's not what he's saying here. He's saying he's going to convince us to give us proof of righteousness, right? Righteousness is right standing with God. That because we were convicted of sin and now we have Jesus, we've received forgiveness of our sins. Now he wants us to know, to be convicted, to have proof that we are right with God. That we have righteousness because of Jesus. So now sin and death and and the devil have no authority over us. Come on, are y'all getting this today? I'm preaching about 83% better than y'all are amening today. It's all right. And then he says this third one. He says, and he's going to convict us about judgment. Right? That's not pointing the finger. That's not the big man in the chair up there telling us all the wrong stuff we did, right? He's saying, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. So as Jesus is saying this, this is before he's gone to the cross, the prince of the world, when he said those words, was still the devil, right? But what he's saying is, he's saying, he's condemned now. I'm about to go down there. I'm about to whoop him. I'm going to steal the keys to his house. I'm going to take all his power. And because you are now righteous, I'm going to give you all the power. I'm going to give you all the authority. So sin has no dominion over you. The devil has no dominion over you. Like you are free. You have my power in you now. Like, this is the job of the Holy Spirit, to convince us of that. So now we don't have to live broken and disgusted and busted. Like, we can rise up out of those things. Stop living defeated. Stop letting depression run rampant in our home. Stop letting disease have its way. No, we have authority. We have power. But this is the job of the Holy Spirit, to convince us of these things. Let's give God some praise. Come on. Thank you, Jesus, for what you do for us. So who is the Holy Spirit? I told you I have an inner TV Jakes in there. (laughs) Who is the Holy Spirit? He's our friend. He's our teacher. He's our helper. Here's number four. He's our guide. He's our guide. And it's great for us because um, sometimes we just find ourselves at a crossroads, (laughs) right? That decision place, like, what do I do now? I don't know if y'all have ever been there. I've been there. And it's like, Holy Spirit, where do I go? What decision do I make? Because I need to know. Jesus continued John chapter 16 Verse 13, he said, but when he, 
The spirit of truth comes. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. This is good news for us. Like, I don't know if you caught what Jesus said, but the good news is that he didn't say if the Holy Spirit speaks to you. No, he said when. So we can know with confidence the Holy Spirit's speaking to us. He'll speak to us. It's right there. Jesus said it. Right? He's going to speak to us. And then Jesus goes on after that, and he gives us two ways to know that this is the Holy Spirit speaking to us. How are we going to know if it's really the Holy Spirit? And he helps us with this understanding is that first, when he speaks to us, he's not going to just make things up. It's not just going to be willy-nilly. He's not just going to pull something out of left field. No. He says he's going to speak to you what he's heard from the Father. So the spot, he's, going to, he's just going to speak what he's been told by the Father. So he's not just going to just have us be going this way and now be going this way. No. He's going to speak to us what he heard from the Father. And then he gives us the second piece of information to know the difference between was this the Holy Spirit or was this a thought that I had or was this the devil or is this something else? Have you ever had that? God, was that you speaking to me? Let me tell you what Jesus said about how we can know. The next verse, he said, He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. So Jesus is just telling us, he's like, he's going to speak to you what he hears from me. And you can know that it's from me because it's going to glorify Jesus. It's going to point us to Jesus. So we can always know if it's the Holy Spirit speaking to us as if, if it ultimately the result of this thing that I'm about to do glorifies Jesus, then it's probably the Holy Spirit because that's the job of the Holy Spirit, to glorify Jesus, to point us to him, right? That's what he's going to do. So when we get in that place, Holy Spirit, was that you? Then we ask ourselves, is this going to bring glory to Jesus? If it is, then it's probably the Holy Spirit. Right? That's how we're going to know. So when we need peace, when we feel depression coming out of Holy Spirit, what do I do? Then that word comes up inside of us that says, I have a sound mind. God didn't give me fear. Like, I've been set free. That's right. I have been made righteous with God. Like, like so I don't have to have fear. And so Jesus, he's going to lead us to Jesus because Jesus is the prince of peace. Like, he wants us to have peace. Like, he's going to lead us to Jesus. That's why it says, he, like, he brings the word back to us. Right? He brings the things that Jesus said back to us, right? Because he's, he's just pointing us back to Jesus, right? He's just always pointing us back to Jesus. He's like, Holy Spirit, what should I do about this? Hey, let's, let me ask Jesus what he wants us to do, right? He's always bringing us back to Jesus. That's why Jesus is the word. So that when he brings that back to us, he's literally bringing us back to Jesus, right? It's so good. Are y'all getting this today, right? That's why, that's why when we need healing, he's bringing us back to the name of Jesus because there's healing in the name of Jesus, right? He's always pointing us back to Jesus, right? So if we're ever in doubt, Holy Spirit, is that you? Just ask yourself that question. Is the result of this going to glorify Jesus? And if it is, then that's probably his leading. If it's not, then that probably wasn't him, and we shouldn't go that direction, right? It's good. So for me in this is like, when we get to that place, we're like, Holy Spirit, I need you. Maybe you're in that place today where like, I need more of the Holy Spirit in my life. The question that I always get to is like, okay, well, how do I get to know him better? How do I get more of the Holy Spirit in my life? So I want to give us three things today that I think are going to help us in that. There's Obviously, uh, this is not an exhaustive list of ways to get to know the Holy Spirit better, but we wouldn't have time for that this morning. But I want to give us these three things, ways to get to know the Holy Spirit better. It's a lot easier than most of us think. It's a lot easier than some of us have been led to believe or have seen portrayed in the past. Here's the first one. We want to get to know the Holy Spirit better. Invite him to be a part. Just invite him to be a part, right? 
Think about uh, if you meet somebody and you're like, ooh, I want to get to be friends with them. Well, you get to be friends by, with someone by hanging out with them, by inviting them to come over. Hey, do you guys want to come over? Do you want to go see, watch Endgame? Do you want to go do this? Do you want to go to the park? Do you want to do this? Like, do you want to play PlayStation? Like, you get to know, you get to be good friends by, with someone by spending time with them, by hanging out. So if we want to get to know the Holy Spirit better, we need to invite him into every part, right? Because he's our friend and he wants to be a part of the things that we're doing. So let's just begin to invite him to be a part. I love this prayer that David wrote um, in one of my favorite chapters of the Bible, Psalms 139, verses 23 and 24. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And what would our our lives look like if we adopted that prayer as part of our prayer time? God, search me. Holy Spirit, Know my anxious thoughts. I feel anxious in these things. I feel fear in these things. Know those places. Search my heart and, and it, point out, is there anything in me that offends you? Like, point that out so that, I, so that I can go in the way everlasting. Like, man, if we would begin to pray this way, invite the Holy Spirit into every place, man, what a huge difference it would make. What a huge difference it would make. Then the Holy Spirit is leading us, and then we can stop being so concerned about what everybody else says, this is how you should live, and this is the right thing, and this is the wrong thing. And so many times people are like, should I do this or shouldn't I do this? Listen, that's the job of the Holy Spirit. It's not the job of people. So we need to get in the place where we're more concerned about where he's leading us in that. Like, that's why I say, like, my job as a pastor is to get us on this spiritual journey. Like that's, we have to realize we are on a spiritual journey and we need to be where we're drawing closer to him, taking steps every day. Here's the second one. If we're going to get to know the Holy Spirit better is we need to ask him to change us. Ask him to change you. Now I'll tell you this. If you ask him to change you, you better get ready. (laughs) You better get ready. And truthfully, if you really want to get to know him better, when you ask him something, when you ask him to change you, when you ask him what should I do? And he tells you, you better be ready to do it. Because if you, you ask him and he tells you and then you just ignore him, guess what? He's probably not going to want to keep, you know, have you ever had that friend? You're like, well, I'm just, I've asked him a lot of times. I'm just kind of done. Like, we got to be ready to, we got to be people of action. When he, we ask him to change us, we got to be ready for what he brings our way that he, we're ready to move and we're ready to change, Right? It's just so vital on the spiritual journey that we understand that. It's a process of, of constant renewal, of constant change, that we never stay in the place that we start. We are on a spiritual journey, and we can't stay an infant. We can't stay just a baby. Well, I just received Jesus, and that's all I need 18 years ago. No, we've got to be growing. We've got to be changing, right? We've got to be taking steps. Every time we take a step forward, we grow, right? Uh, see, I was uh, uh, in high school. I was a long jumper. Um, I did track and field. And, you know, long jump, you run down this runway, and then you jump off this one spot and see how far you can get in one jump, right? It's, it's a fun thing to do, but it's not how we're meant to live spiritually. But we, we want that, right? We're like, I just want to be everything that God wants me to be. You know how you get there? One step at a time. 
one day at a time. We're on a spiritual journey. Life is a marathon. It's not a sprint. So one day at a time, God is working on us. We're getting better, taking one step. And that's the spiritual journey. Like That's where my role as a pastor comes in is to help us in that spiritual journey where we're coming to Jesus, where we're getting connected with him, where we're experiencing him personally. And then he comes in and does what only he can do. That's why I say, I'm not your Holy Spirit. He's with you. Ask him, right? Like, that's good, that's good. So what is our next step? All of us have different next steps that we can take. So for some of us, if we've just received Jesus and we've been in that place, you've never been water baptized, your next step is water baptism, where you're letting everybody know, listen, hey, there's a change in my life. I'm, I'm following Jesus now. Maybe your next step is you just need to start reading the Bible every day. That's a great next step. Maybe your next step is you just maybe need to incorporate some things into your prayer life, like, like that prayer right there from Psalms 139, where you just need to incorporate some of that. Some of us, our next step would be just you just need to be in church on a regular basis. Like, I know, once a month is not a regular basis, though, okay? I love you, though. Okay. Some of us, our next step is we need to start tithing. Some of us, our next step is we need to start serving, getting out of ourselves and, and helping somebody else. Some of us, our next step is just learning who we are, Right, what my purpose is? There's so many books out there. What is my purpose? What is it all about? And David said in that same chapter, he said, Lord, you made me fearfully and wonderfully. I know it full well. And I wonder how many of us know full well who we are and what God created us to do. Some of us, that's our step. We need to get on that journey to discovering who God made us to be. We all have steps. Like the truth is, is that there's always more that God has for us. There's always more that God has for us. It doesn't matter to me how spiritual you are or how long you've walked with the Lord, how much scripture you know. It's just pride to think that we have all of God that we need. That's pride. Like God always has more. He's infinite. We are finite. Like he has more for us, more of himself he wants to give us, more of his spirit he wants to pour out on us. He has more joy he wants to give you, more peace he wants to give you, more, more prosperity, more uh, resources, more favor, more ideas. He's got more assignments for us. Like he's got more that we are not experiencing that he has for us. And it'll be that way to the day we go to be with him in heaven, like we're taking steps, we're growing, we're asking him to change us. Second Corinthians 3.17 says it this way. He says, now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. He says, and we all who with veiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. That means we, we see a glimpse of him, we see part of him, but we can't understand the fullness of who he is. He says, but we are being transformed. We are being changed. So what are we being changed into? He says, well, you're being changed into his image. You're being more like him with ever-increasing glory. Like things are getting better and better. Like when he changes us, it's for the good. He's always adding to us, adding value, never taking from us. And he says, this change, it comes from the, Spirit, from the Lord who is the Spirit. That's good. He has good stuff for us. We, but we've got to allow him to work in us, right? He's not going to kick the door down, right? He's not, he's not going to... I'm here. What do we need to change? No. Like, we have to create environments for him where we're hosting who we, we're hosting the Spirit of God in our lives. Like, and, and sometimes there are things in our lives that, like, the Spirit of the Lord cannot be where there's strife and envy. There's, there's things where we can create an atmosphere in our lives and for the Holy Spirit to come in, and it's up to us to create those places. Here's the last one, ways to get to know the Holy Spirit better, is we need to just ask him to fill us. Ask him to fill us. I love uh, how the, uh, the New American Standard Bible says, uh, describes the disciples. This is Acts 13, verse 52. 
It says, and the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Some people are like, yeah, I was filled with the Spirit 20 years ago. Like, no. He's saying they're continually filled with the Spirit. Like, this is an ongoing process. Like, we need more of Him. Like, Holy Spirit, I need you. Would you fill me up? Give me everything you got, baby, because what I got ain't enough. I need more of you. Ephesians chapter 5, he says it this way. He says, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. So don't spend your life consuming it on every pleasure that's out there. Don't base it on your feelings and what seems good. No, instead be filled with the Spirit because that's the only thing that's not going to lead you to destruction. Right? we got to be filled with the Spirit. So why don't we do that right now? Can we just take these few moments here together where I believe the Holy Spirit is moving and working in this place right now and just ask Him, Holy Spirit, fill me right now. I need more of you. I need you, Holy Spirit. Some of us just need to welcome Him in. You didn't realize you had a best friend that was with you all the time, and He's right there with you today. Holy Spirit, I just... I give you permission to move in this place. This is your house. We are your people. So have your way in us right now. Holy Spirit, I thank you. You are speaking to hearts and minds. You're highlighting things that I said. You're saying things that I didn't even say, Lord. You're speaking to our hearts and our minds right now. And I thank you. You're bringing peace and clarity that you're pointing us to Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you feel that stirring in you. Just like we talked about, you feel it stirring in there. Maybe you've, you've known God in the past, but maybe you just like your passion for God. <coughs> Excuse me. Your passion for God and, and just your closeness to Him is just, it's just you feel far from Him. It's grown, your relationship with Him has grown cold and you're just, you're just in church and you're just kind of existing. God, I kind of know you, but like, I don't really know you. And you just today, you need Him. Maybe you've never invited Him to be a part of your life before at all. Because maybe you've seen him as the God who just wants you to, to keep his rules and don't mess up or he's going to take you out. And today you realize that's not who he is, that he's a loving father who loves you so much and just wants to be close to you and shower you with all of his blessings and, and draw you close into his family. And you say, I need him in my life. Today you're saying, I need God in my life. I need, I need Jesus. So just right where you are, that's a moment, a decision between you and the Lord. Say, that's me, I need him. Just would you lift your hand? I want to pray with you today. You're saying, I need God in my life.